Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to New Books in Middle Eastern Studies. I'm your host, Carl Morand. Today I'm talking to Khalid Almazani about his new book, The UAE and Foreign Policy. In the book, Dr. Almazani discusses the history of the UAE's foreign policy, its goals, and the methods in which the government pursues those goals. Dr. Almazani's analysis focuses on the UAE's foreign aid program, which is one of the largest in the Middle East. The book shows how cultural and political factors have influenced foreign policy, and specifically foreign aid, in the UAE. Dr. Almazani discusses in depth the foreign policy relationship that the UAE has with both Palestine and Pakistan, which helps illustrate the different motivations behind their policy agenda. Khalid, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, If you could, could you start off by telling us a little bit about your background and uh, what interested you in writing this book? Uh, well, Carl, thank you very much uh, for for his kind invitation uh, to speak about my book. Um, uh, the book is actually uh, uh, it's my PhD thesis. Uh, I did uh, I did my PhD at the University of Exeter, uh, and what led me to do this particular topic is that uh, uh, I always always had this um, interest in working at the UAE Foreign Ministry. Um, I did work before at the ministry, uh, foreign ministry in UAE, um, and when I started the project, my supervisor told me that uh, this topic uh, is is very interesting. But uh, there are a few people who have done this study before. Um, the last study was uh, to the, in um, two thousand four, and before that, there uh, there was another study published by Professor Hassan Lalkim, actually. Uh, He's a former professor of uh, the United Arab Emirates uh, University um, in 1989. Um, but actually, I wanted to do something different, uh, which is I mean, foreign policy. Uh, but my supervisor suggested to do a different dimension at the foreign policy. Um, so um, I, I thought about uh, foreign aid as, as, a, as a main tool in the UAE foreign policy. Um, uh, it took actually a while to do, do to do this study. Um, I, I suppose to finish it within four years, but uh, it took me longer than that. Um, um, I was so much interested in this topic, uh, particularly engaging in the development and aid uh, programs, um, uh, which actually shifted my orienta- orientations and interest in in in, uh, in my academia. You know, uh, from a topic that. It was purely, you know, matter of political science. Uh, I've shifted towards uh, more of um, uh, aid, uh, charities, uh, and development. Um, so um, um, that was actually the, the 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 story behind the the book. Um, currently, actually, now I'm I'm uh, I'm a visiting research fellow in Cambridge. Um, uh, I'm working on something a little bit similar uh, that focuses on identities, which we will talk about it later on, about the impact of uh, identities um, on uh, foreign foreign aid policies uh, and foreign foreign policy in general. Excellent. Thank you. 
In the uh, throughout your book, you have a lot of statistics and a lot of uh, of data, but you mentioned that uh, for most of its history, the UAE did not have much of a formal organization to document and sort of track its aid. Could you talk uh, a bit about sort of the the issues you had in obtaining data and getting it all organized? Um. Uh, well, um, one of the main challenges uh, of this study was the gathering of information and statistics or material related to this topic. I um, really had difficulties obtaining official statistics. Um, since the formation of the UAE in 1971, uh, uh, they were actually the state uh, published very limited statistics, not, not in, in foreign aid. Uh, when they, when the, the first official aid uh, uh, you know, publication uh, were published actually in 1974 when the, the UAE established Abu Dhabi Fund for uh, for development. Um, then all the aid, uh, official aid, was published under that institution. Aid from Abu Dhabi government in particular, and aid from the same institution. Um, I've I've spent a lot of time in the UAE trying to find uh, other sources. Um, uh, where I can obtain statistics, uh, uh, particularly during the, 70, the 1970s and 1980s. Um, UAE during that, actually, during that time was uh, still uh, developing, uh, still building its own institutions, uh, and it was a new state. So it was um, a little bit difficult, actually, for the state itself even to publish and produce uh, high-quality statistics, uh, very accurate. Um, so uh, I found it very difficult to, to, to get these statistics. Uh, so I, try, I, I started to, to, to dig into newspapers, uh, archives. Um, although many say that uh, statistics published by newspapers are not accurate, uh, but actually, uh, I've collected whatever I can from newspapers in the UAE and compared it to other publications that are published by uh, other international aid organizations. So from that level, actually, from looking at what's available in the UAE, I, I went to uh, different aid organizations. In particular, uh, OPEC aid uh, development program. Actually, um, they've published enormous amount of aid uh, from UAE, Qatar, uh, Kuwait, uh, and Saudi Arabia. So they did help me a lot to gather uh, enormous amount of uh, uh, of, of statistics um, and uh, uh, not only actually statistics, the, the the history of aid from that region in particular. Um, Actually, if, you, if if one has to look at the aid from the Arab countries and focus uh, on the Gulf countries, you will rarely find any studies uh, or uh, reports uh, about um, uh, aid donors. Um, and one of the challenges as well is that uh, there were very limited studies on um, on aid on Arab aid in particular. Um, the question, the core question of my study is why do states give aid? If one look, uh, I mean, listen to this question, uh, he or she will think that this is a question which uh, I mean has been asked many times in the past 60 years. But if you if one asks why do Arab states give aid in particular, we'll find it very interesting. Um, so uh, 
statistic on, on that part on aid uh, from Arab countries is very, very limited. Studies, even studies or reports. Um, all those studies that have been conducted on Arab aid uh, were actually produced or published by uh, um, organizations from Europe uh, and, uh, and the US. So um, I've actually depended very much on these studies. Um, uh, I found some, like there were about two or three studies only during the 1970s, the one I found uh, and helped me to gather some sort of, uh, to build a picture about the uh, aid uh, from Arab countries in uh, 1970s. And for the UAE in particular, um, uh, the OPEC aid uh, program, um, the United Nations aid organization uh, also did um, provide um, limited um, uh, statistics and the OECD as well. They actually um, uh, produced um, reports about aid uh, programs. So over the the past 40 years of the UAE history, uh, there were no uh, reporting mechanism in the UAE of their aid. They lacked actually uh, of how um, to, to, uh, to, to produce reports. They didn't have the expertise to, to write reports about aid. This is due actually the, the disfragmentation of the UAE aid during the past, from 1974 until 2009. Um, and just as a matter of fact, in 2009, the, the, the UAE uh, established an aid uh, office to monitor and report its aid. Um, aid that was uh, actually um, given by the Emirates, uh, by the uh, Abu Dhabi Emirates only, not other Emirates. Um, as you know, the United Arab Emirates has seven um, Emirates, and uh, most of aid comes from the uh, from Abu Dhabi. So. Um, uh, during this, I would say, 30, uh, 38 years until 2009, um, uh, the UAE government lacked actually um, um, the expertise to write report, to, to report its own aid. Um, uh, you can't actually have um, um, a clear picture of um, what is the UAE aid, how much it gives, who received uh, who received. Uh, uh, UAE aid. So uh, uh, they were actually, I would say, um, um, really, really difficulties uh, gathering information. However, given uh, the, av the available uh, statistics from different sources, I've managed to, to some extent, to build um, a good picture about the, the UAE uh, foreign aid. In the book, uh, before you go into the specifics of UAE aid policies, you talk about, uh, in a more general sense, the constructivist and rationalist philosophies on uh, foreign aid and why states give foreign aid. Could you talk uh, about why you feel that the constructivist model is a more appropriate uh, way of viewing the UAE's foreign aid policies? Um, uh, thank you. This is a really interesting question. Um, uh, in the book, actually, I did not want to uh, dig deep uh, into uh, theories of uh, political science. However, in order to examine this particular case uh, and to look in particular at the question of why states give aid, um, I've used two uh, schools of thought in, in political science, um, uh, the uh, rationalist and constructivist. Um, uh, rationalists actually uh, argue that uh, all states have interests 
the determine the driving the forces of, of states' behavior is based on interest. Uh, while con- constructivists say that uh, not all uh, relation between states are based on interest, uh, morals, ethics, values do exist determine uh, the behavior of these states. Um, so how I wanted to apply these two uh, um, approaches uh, on, on, in the case of the UAE. Um, it's not easy to, to, to have a kind of an, a clear-cut line of that this theory is applicable to the UAE case uh, if, this, if it is the constructivist or the um, rationalist. Um, I've adopted... Uh, having known this the case already, uh, I've 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 uh, adopted the constructivist approach um, um, for two main reasons. First, uh, the UAE foreign policy is very much driven by identities and ideologies, uh, but this does not mean that they do not have interest. They do have interest uh, when they establish any relation with any country. Um, and the second, uh, the UAE is a small state. Um, to test this theory, uh, to uh, this approach, um, I have to understand what did the UAE get in return from giving aid. Um, so this, which I'll talk about later on, uh, but this uh, constructivism uh, explains the behavior, the foreign policies of many Arab states, not only the UAE. If one look at the history of most of the uh, foreign policy of the Arab states since the 1950s. Most of these states uh, adopted, um, uh, well, um, established relations with countries with similar uh, cultures, similar history, similar um, languages. Um, so the UAE um, adopted, uh, you know, Arabism as its as a core uh, aspect of its foreign policy. Um, so uh, since the 1971, the UAE, most of the UAE foreign aid went to Arab countries. Um, and then, uh, then, then Islamic countries. So these two ideologies, or identities as well, were core determinants of, of the UAE foreign policy uh, behavior, not only foreign aid, but general foreign policy. So um, the UAE, um, uh, or sorry, I wanted to come back to the, the constructivist, um, uh, constructivism uh, does not just say that it is values on culture and morals that drive our um, uh, behavior or the state's behavior in general, but there is interest as well. But this interest uh, is shared but between the two sides. So if uh, UAE wants to establish a, a, a relation with a particular country, then uh, does not seek uh, its interest only, but it seeks what the other country will get from it. Um, so there's a mutual interest and having a mutual uh, interest uh, is considered to some extent uh, uh, ethical, uh, you know, in international relations that you do not seek your own interest, but you seek the interest of the other. Um, 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 so um, I've looked at this, these two, two uh, schools and I've actually uh, covered as well uh, the behavior of most of Arab countries and how identities and, uh, and ideologies determine their uh, behavior, uh, in particular how Arabism and Islam uh, have played a significant role in the foreign policies of most Arab uh, countries. Saudi Arabia, uh, uh, actually so the Saudi aid, Kuwait aid, the Qatar aid, all uh, more or less have uh, um, similar behavior uh, on, on, or similar determinants on, on their uh, 
uh, policy. So Saudi Arabia actually used to be uh, uh, and still the, the largest aid donor in the, in the Arab, uh, I mean, in the Arab world. Uh, they give mainly to Arab countries, Muslim countries, and developing countries. Um, this has been dominant for the past, for the uh, first 30 years of their formation. In the past 10 or 15 years, um, they've actually started to change the, 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 the aid orientations. Um, so this is due to the, of the criticism they received from uh, international organizations. They say that why you focus only on, on Arab countries? Why do you give only Islamic countries? Well, if we, if we look um, at the aid from uh, European uh, countries or the U.S., um, many have started giving aid to those who are actually similar to them or share some similarities with them. Uh, and then uh, we had the uh, aid organization that have a religious purpose, that they give aid for a particular purpose, but this was actually so many of them from the Muslim world and the Christian world that both uh, wanted to give aid and retain that those who receive aid adopt this, uh, these religions. The UAE actually did not have this purpose, but they do actually have a purpose of uh, establishing mosques, uh, supporting religious schools, uh, Islamic religious schools uh, in different parts of the world. So uh, very much actually um, uh, aid uh, were determined by these two, um, Islamism and, and, and uh, Arabism. What effect uh, do you think the the fact that the UAE is a confederation of seven separate emirates has on its foreign policy and the ability to sort of have a coherent foreign policy and foreign aid uh, policy? Um, uh, thank you. Really interesting question. I, I think um, um, the UAE foreign policy in general is a constructive foreign policy. Um However, within the UAE, the federal, I mean, the UAE is, uh, is a federation of seven emirates. Each emirate has its own foreign policy. But uh, foreign policy of each individual emirate should not contradict with the overall general foreign policy of the state. Um, uh, it has actually did affect, uh, to some extent, the, the orientation of, of foreign aid. Dubai in particular has its uh, its own foreign policy, mainly economic foreign policy. It seeks its own interest. Uh, and Sharjah, the other um, third largest emirate, actually has uh, its own foreign policy. In the, 1970, in the 70s, 80s, and till mid-1990s, Sharjah was very much kind of um, uh, um, uh, had a foreign policy toward more uh, Islamist. Uh, supporting Islamists worldwide, uh, 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 and even in, in the state, in the Emirate itself, uh, one would see the, the, the religious touch on, on, on most of its uh, buildings and, and, and people and so on. In contrast, Dubai was very much liberal, and Abu Dhabi had a for, uh, I mean, still have a foreign policy that combined both being liberal and conservative at the same time. So. Uh, this actually um, uh, affected the, the aid orientation. In the 1970s, when the UAE established its first uh, aid uh, institution, Abu Dhabi Fund for Development, uh, I would say 99% of its aid uh, 
were actually uh, given to Arab and Muslim countries. And then um, uh, by late 1970s, early 1980s, they received uh, criticism of why they give only these countries. I mean, if you want to give to do good, you have to do the good for all people without looking at their backgrounds or who they, where they come from. Poor people are poor people regardless of their backgrounds. Um, so they received, uh, this was not only from the UAE, but from most of the Arab uh, countries, including the Iraqi and the Libyan during the 1970s. So they told me you have to give aid to uh, all people regardless of their nationalities. So Abu Dhabi wanted to actually put more, um, um, uh, give aid more to, to, to Arab countries. The former president of the United Arab Emirates, Sheikh Zayed, um, actually he was very much an uh, Arab nationalist. He always wanted to support Arab countries, to give them more aid. Um, um, so the, the foreign policy of these, of these three emirates um, um, had some, one, one uh, actually uh, one uh, aspect in common, um, or, or I'd say dimension, which is aid. Actually, they all wanted to give aid. They had, they have actually uh, uh, shared so much uh, cultural similarities between the emirates. Don't forget that uh, each emirate has its own autonomy. Um, um, so they actually helped. Uh, or supported Abu Dhabi's decision decision in in regard to aid, uh, although they did contradict with them in other uh, aspects of the of the UAE foreign policy. Um, so uh, the past ten years, uh, actually during uh, since especially since two thousand and four, uh, when Sheikh Zayed uh, passed away, uh, the foreign policy of the UAE is very much driven by the Abu Dhabi's uh, ruling family, not other Emirates. Uh, and and uh, and uh, in 2008-2009, uh, during the financial crisis in Dubai and the bailout, when Abu Dhabi bailed out Dubai, uh, Dubai uh, lost its uh, political weight in the, in the Emirates, which actually, which includes as well the foreign policy um, and Sharjah as well. So the, the share interest of Abu Dhabi with other Emirates have led all those, uh, all, all the financial resources that Abu Dhabi have um, have led them to to dominate the foreign policy for the past uh, um, in the past ten ten years. However, these seventies, eighties, um, each emirate has its own foreign policy. And during the seventies and eighties, the union uh, was still actually weak. Uh, the first ten years, in particular, Abu Dhabi worked uh, hardly to to consolidate the union to have one unified foreign policy. So it affected the aid very much. Uh, and since the establishment of the aid uh, coordination office now uh, in Abu Dhabi uh, in 2009, um, they want actually now to separate to, to separate aid from the foreign policy. Uh, they don't want to mix the politics with the aid, uh, although this is really difficult uh, due to the conflicting interests uh, within the Emirates itself. Uh, there are so many aid organizations, each aid organization, uh, I mean, private aid organization and governmental one, each has its own interest. Um, so the, the UAE now is trying to, uh, through this, uh, the, the aid uh, coordination office, um, to, um, uh, to give aid um, as not me part of the foreign policy, but as an, a, a different uh, independent department um, 
given by the government without considering who they are giving to, without looking at who they are giving uh, I mean, they have to, of course, it's a part of the foreign policy, but um, to have less political influence uh, on, on the aid organization. In the book, uh, you give special attention to the UAE's uh, aid policies toward Palestine and to Pakistan. Could you talk about the special relationship that those uh, aid policies have for the UAE and what their their motivations behind those are and the the benefits they get from aid to those two? Um, Well, I've chosen these two countries for particular reasons. First, uh, Palestine uh, is an Arab country. Uh, I mean, um, 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 Palestinian territories. Um, and Pakistan is an Islamic country, but not an Arab country. Palestine, because it's, uh, uh, and the Arab-Israel conflict is uh, one of the main, uh, I mean, it's the main uh, issue uh, amongst most of the, uh, the Arab uh, foreign policies. So uh, the, the, the Arab-Israeli conflict uh, uh, one one reason, uh, and the UAE foreign policy actually focused very much on on the Palestinian since its formation. And Palestine was uh, um, Palestinian, even Palestinian people were uh, were contributed very much uh, in the building uh, of the UAE. And second, Pakistan is an Islamic country; it's not an Arab country, and they did contribute significantly in the uh, in the forces, the policing and army. Uh, in the UAE, in training local people, um, and the, due to the personal um, uh, relations between uh, members of the ruling families in the UAE and, and Pakistan. Um, Palestine, um, well, it's not only for the UAE, but for most Arab countries. Uh, if you have uh, any financial cap- uh, capabilities, you have to give aid to Palestine. Uh, and the Arab League... Um, actually have um, established a special fund for, for Palestinian. Each Arab country has to give a percentage uh, the, to this program um, based on the GDP of each um, uh, country. Um, I think uh, the OE gives uh, something around $300 million uh, every year. Um, and uh, not only to the to the Arab League, but to most uh, aid organizations uh, that are um, uh, that give aid to to the Palestinian, whether they are in Palestine or in the Palestinian territories, Jordan, Syria, or wherever there are a Palestinian. Particularly, actually, if we talk about here the Palestinian refugees in the in, in Jordan, Syria, and and, and Lebanon. Um, so, why UAE give aid to Palestine? Um, um, as I said, there's one aspect is the cultural similarities. Uh, the UAE actually started giving aid and collecting aid to to, uh, to the Palestinian uh, since the 1940s. Um, 1940s, there was a volunteer from Sharjah actually called Mubarak bin Saif. He uh, collected some uh, money uh, from mosques. He gave speeches to people. Uh, told him about what's happening in Palestine, so he collected some money and and, and delivered it to the to the Palestinians. That was the actual first volunteer aid from from the UAE. When the UAE established in the 1970s, uh, 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 and due to the 
oil wealth, so many Palestinians came to the UAE. Uh, they have actually established, they have supported the UAE officials. They, they, uh, they provided, uh, um, I mean, uh, even the Palestinian, the Palestinian authority uh, sent many Palestinian teachers to, to support the UAE uh, in building its own institution, helping education, educating people. Uh, similarly, the Egyptian did the same thing, Jordanian and Syrian as well. Um, but due to the uh, conflict in, in Palestine, the UAE gave special attention to the Palestinian. Sheikh Zayed, actually the former president, said uh, in the 1970s uh, uh, that uh, officials uh, the policing to the police and the army, you should not uh, arrest any Palestinian without any uh, permission from him. Uh, giving the suffering, the, the, the this, because of the suffering with the Palestinian, uh, the UAE actually the, and Sheikh Zayed in particular uh, supported the Palestinian by giving them not only uh, allowing them to work in the UAE, um, but supporting them uh, at all uh, levels, uh, either, either they are in the Emirates or they are uh, abroad. Um, in the 1980s, uh, end of 1970s, early 1980s, um, many Palestinians actually and, uh, and, uh, um, and intellectuals from other Arab countries began to spread particular ideologies in the UAE. And the UAE did not like this, uh, that uh, the, the communist or, 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 or fascist ideas, uh, the UAE did not welcome any uh, of these ideologies and therefore started to deport particular nationalities from the UAE. Palestinians were par- part of them, uh, um, but uh, they were they were really uh, limited. In return of this, I mean, in, in, in exchange of this, they began to increase its aid to Palestine. That by building institutions and supporting the Palestinian, then uh, few Palestinians will start coming to the UAE. Um, so um, uh, they began actually sub- building. Uh, uh, Housing, uh, giving uh, Palestinian um, um, uh, the Palestinian Authority um, some every month. Um, um, and before I go, actually continue on this one, I wanted to just remember that in the 1970s, um, the UAE officials used to give cash to the Palestinian. They actually, uh, instead of transferring money from one country to another, they used to give them cash. Uh, which was very unusual in the eight uh, world. So, uh, you know, even even for the, if you if you examine the Swedish aid, for for example, they used actually to fund the project instead of giving uh, cash. This was during the 1970s, but then the UAE began funding projects because it was more effective funding uh, project uh, and financing uh, schools and uh, hospitals and trying to build uh, cities in, within in Gaza and in West Bank and, and Jerusalem. So they, they actually uh, continued doing this until uh, um, beginning of 2000, when actually they started to focus on um, building whole areas, cities. I mean, uh, Sheikh Zayed City, for example, Sheikh Khalifa City in, in, um, in Gaza, uh, hospitals. They started to monitor all these projects. Uh, they knew that in the 70s and until uh, late 80s, uh, corruption actually dominated these eight organizations. Uh, they cannot uh, just give cash or transfer money. A project uh, that they started to build in the early 1980s, some of them did not finish until uh, 
early 2000 uh, because of the corruption. So they favored uh, funding a project um, over uh, giving or sending cash. Uh, they do actually give cash or, uh, I mean, uh, support financial aid organization that uh, look at the Palestinian refugees. Uh, this is because there are so many aid organizations uh, and they cannot let any aid donor do his own uh, or support, uh, provide uh, support for the Palestinian because there will be chaos. So just for a matter of, uh, of organizing aid, uh, UNRWA, for example, uh, used to receive um, uh, um, generous support from the UAE. And actually in 2010, UAE was the largest uh, contributor to the uh, uh, UNRWA. As for the Pakistan, um, it's a little bit different story. Um, uh, Pakistan, actually, Pakistanis uh, uh, started to flow, I mean, coming to the UAE to work there since uh, end of 1960s. Or well, mid, uh, in particular, mid uh, 1960s, when uh, uh, the the UAE started uh, exporting uh, oil. Um, well, the UAE gave aid to Pakistan because Pakistan actually uh, was the first country to recognize the existence of the UAE, um, or was one of the actually one of the first countries to recognize the existence of, uh, of the UAE. Uh, I mean, in contrast to this, Saudi Arabia, which is just neighboring uh, UAE, refused to, to recognize the UAE as a state until, uh, to, I think, 1973 or 74. So Pakistan uh, supported the UAE, uh, supported the UAE to build its army and the policing uh, forces, police forces. Uh, uh, these two actually uh, main aspects led the UAE officials to consider the UAE as a main ally for them. Um, and then the flow of the Pakistani workers to the UAE uh, gave, this, gave the UAE a new dimension that it's not that they uh, trained uh, Emiratis in the army and police, but actually uh, there are around 700,000 now uh, today, 700,000 Pakistanis in the UAE. So this is a large uh, number. Um, so the UAE has to deal with Pakistan in a different way. In the 1970s and 80s, the UAE um, um, considered Pakistan as the main ally um, because of the security threat that UAE had actually in the 1970s, that if there is any threat, then there is the support of Pakistan. So lots of money being given to, to, to the Pakistanis. And then the 1990s and 2000, this has changed. The UAE uh, began to emerge at the international level, uh, uh, known amongst most of uh, international actors. Um, so uh, it started to widen its um, kind of the circle of uh, allies. Um, uh, there was a threat actually uh, for the UAE from within the Emirates, from the Pakistani workers. Um, because of the demographic imbalance uh, in the UAE. So there are many Pakistanis um, uh, actually transferring money um, uh, um, to, to, um, to particular, actually, I would say, uh, religious schools, uh, which internationally known as, you know, that they're supporting uh, terrorists worldwide. So the UAE began to uh, see that it has to deal with this issue uh, differently. It has to give more aid to Pakistan, 
to stop the spread of all those um, religious activities in Pakistan uh, that that they, they might lead to some sort of uh, threats to the Pakistani government and UAE government. Uh, and actually to uh, to support the Pakistani economy uh, and to stop the flow of Pakistani workers coming to the UAE because they cannot take uh, any more Pakistanis. You know, imagine that now in the UAE, the, the, the um, expatriate are around 80% of the total population and 20% uh, are um, uh, UAE, I mean, the Emirati, the citizen. So um, the UAE uh, had financial reasons to support uh, um, uh, Pakistan. It had actually uh, religious, you know, because of that they are both countries and Muslims. And uh, in the 1980s, uh, actually, uh, was something that I did not mention, uh, used to support as well the uh, Salafi schools, uh, um, religious schools in, in Pakistan before it uh received um uh some criticism from uh, international community that why you are supporting the pakistanis and they are bordering with the afghanis and uh, and therefore supporting uh, taliban so they wanted to uh to limit their support to, to the pakistanis in particular areas not religious but um to stop the flow of the pakistani workers coming in the past 20 years uh, to support the uh, Pakistani economy as well, and uh, more recently, um, to to actually to start to invest to create a better environment uh, investment environment in Pakistan uh, by supporting infrastructures, uh, supporting uh, uh, the economy in general, uh, which will allow the UAE investor in the future to go to Pakistan and have better environment or, or uh, a new destination for for uh, for investment so these two countries pakistan and palestine um as the constructives argue here okay they have uh, they are their cultural similarities but as well they have shared interest um uh, the palestinians supported the uae uh, education system uh, building institutions the pakistani supported the army uh, trained the emiratis uh, and 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 uh, were actually part of the UAE army, um, and returned the UAE gave them enormous uh, uh, aid, um, but as well actually helped them to uh, uh, to establish themselves to some extent uh, in a way that to improve the, the economies, in particular Pakistan. Uh, uh, Palestine is uh, is more complicated than Pakistan because they actually they do not have a state. Uh, per se. Earlier, you mentioned uh, the impact of identity. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about uh, how identity influences the UAE's foreign policy? Um, the UAE foreign policy is—I uh, would call it—an identity-based foreign policy. Um, not the past ten years, but the first, the, the in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Um, the UAE foreign policy. Um, uh, had stronger relations with those sharing similar identities with the UAE. Um, uh, UAE, as part of the Arab League, had an excellent relation with most Arab countries, uh, not only diplomatic relations, but uh, supporting them financially. The UAE gave aid to most of Arab countries, uh, Yemen, Oman, uh, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Sudan, and also most of the North um, African countries. 
this is due to that they are uh, they share a lot of um, cultural aspect with the DOE and religious as well. So there's the religion and uh, the, the 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 Arab uh, uh, the Arabness of these of these states. Um, so the UAE um, uh, had, uh, in contrast to this, limited uh, diplomatic relations with uh, all those from non-Arab countries. Um, um, they have so many um, programs uh, together, uh, I mean, under the umbrella of the Arab League, the similar educational system, um, um, uh, similar history. So the, all these aspects help them actually um, establish better relations with the Arab countries. So uh, Arab nationalism as well, if uh, uh, I want to use this term here, Arab nationalism uh, was very important for Sheikh Zayed. Uh, um, actually, he favored very much uh, Arab states over many Arab uh, other other uh, countries, um, and this is clear. Uh, if one look at the statistics um, of the UAE, you will see that around, uh, especially in the 1970s and 80s, 70 percent of the UAE aid uh, goes to uh, Arab countries, and then uh, from mid 19. Uh, 80s started to go to Islamic countries. Religions also, religion as an, you know, uh, Islam as an identity um, uh, is uh, is very important for the UAE poli uh, um, politicians or, or policy makers. They actually um, uh, supported so many religious schools worldwide. Um, they, uh, they built mosques um, um, and one uh, important thing here that in the 1980s, actually, the UAE was uh, among the three or four uh, countries recognized Taliban in the 1980s. Uh, and they used to support them financially, not only support them, but support them with, uh, by supporting religious schools, uh, building mosques, uh, supporting all families uh, to those uh, uh, were in conflict with the, uh, with the Soviet uh, at that time, so uh, uh, it, they, they actually um, uh, even uh, uh, built bases in these countries to spread religion as well, and then uh, started to go uh, the UAE to go to all other Muslim countries. Uh, so, if you go to the UAE, for example, today you'll see so many charities asking people. Uh, why don't you support uh, and help uh, to build a mosque in a particular country uh, uh, or uh, support to build a school, religious school? So there's so many of these uh, charities in the UAE nowadays uh, uh, because of the uh, religious similarities with so many countries, they start to, um, to give aid. More recently, uh, they started to focus on countries where Islam is spreading widely uh, in in Africa, uh, in Southeast Asia, and uh, to some extent in uh, Latin America. And they say, uh, look, new, new Muslims, there are new Muslims, so they need more support. So they start to uh, um, asking people to, uh, to donate generously um, uh, to, to these uh, countries uh, through building mosques and religious schools, uh, education, and so on. So uh, this uh, the, the the religious aspect of the UAE foreign policy uh, um, received actually criticism similar to that uh, of the Scandinavian countries in the 70s and 80s when 
uh, and, and even the American aid when they used to uh, give aid for particular religious for uh, for religious purposes to spread Christianity and and, and uh, build churches in Africa in particular and Latin America. They started to say, why do you, why do you take advantage of those poor people by giving them? This is not an aid that this is you buying people. Uh, so they started to reduce this tone now uh, um, and to give to uh, places where there are uh, many Muslims more um, to to consolidate the religion itself, uh, like in Nigeria or uh, or, or uh, East uh, Africa. So Islam and Arabism, uh, two main aspects of the UAE foreign policy. Um, uh, well, uh, recently uh, it has changed. Actually, it has it has changed. You don't see very much this aspect. If you one looks at the UAE today, you would say uh, uh, it is more pro-Western uh, policies. Um, actually, the UAE recently changed. Uh, it has changed from favoring uh, uh, favoring um, uh, international organization and trying. Uh, to give aid to uh, aid organizations, the, the like United Nations, uh, UNIS, I mean all those all the bodies within the the, the, the UN, not to give aid uh, individually. Although it still exists, but uh, uh, there is uh, um, some decline in UAE aid towards uh, particular countries, uh, but more toward uh, aid organizations. And they say that it has to be given to uh, uh, international uh, organizations that are uh, that they uh, give it equally without um, any religious consideration or a linguistic consideration or whatever. So um, uh, they they have actually changed as well in 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 their general foreign policy that they favor. For example, they. Uh, became member of the NATO uh, and um, and an active uh, at all uh, um, uh, other organizations, not only the aid but uh, security environment and so on and so forth. What effect uh, do you think the Arab Spring will have on the UAE's foreign policy? Um, well, the, there is. Um, uh, it, it did actually have a great impact on the UAE foreign policy. Uh, the UAE, uh, along with Qatar, were the only countries to uh, provide military support for Libya. Uh, this is a new, actually, uh, thing in the UAE foreign policy. Um, I've never seen the UAE before providing military support, training the uh, uh, Libyan rebels, uh, uh, supporting uh, international organization, uh, uh, I mean, um, uh, like the NATO. Uh, actually, they provide enormous support. This, this, uh, this is very new. Uh, they did not actually provide um, uh, only financial, but it's military. It's a new dimension in the UAE foreign policy. Uh, it. Uh, it supported countries where there are less religious parties. Uh, if you look at the UAE uh, and its relation with Syria, uh, Jordan, or, or Egypt, uh, 
you would uh, ask uh, why the UAE is opposing Muslim Brotherhood, for example. They have received uh, um, great criticism over the past two months uh, in the UAE. Uh, they fear that they might reach the UAE shores. They don't want religious parties to come in the UAE. Despite the fact that the UAE is a Muslim country, uh, and uh, it has for many years uh, favored uh, uh, Muslims over uh, all other uh, uh, countries. So um, it, there is a change on how to deal with the new emerging countries that are uh, ruled by uh, Muslim Brotherhood. And there is no escape for the UAE but to deal with, uh, with them. Um, so the change is in uh, how to deal with new Arab countries with uh, a party that is uh, that had some that created some problems for the UAE for the in the 1970s and 80s, like Muslim Brotherhood, because they don't want this the spread of the Muslim Brotherhood ideology in the UAE. So how to deal with this? This is it. They are Arab countries and Muslim at the same time. So the UAE uh, uh, is lost to some extent on how to deal with them. Uh, eventually, the UAE will have to uh, re-establish or actually think of a new way of dealing with the, most of the Arab countries because Muslim Brotherhood these days are in Egypt, uh, uh, Jordan, Tunisia, Li- Libya, and Yemen uh, to some extent. So they have to uh, to re-draw uh, uh, their foreign policy. Uh, another impact on uh, UAE is... Um, it's becoming very much pro-Western policies in the region. Uh, they used to support uh, the initiatives by the Arab League. Now, initiated by the Western countries, the, the UAE began to consider them uh, more than uh, other options. Um, um, the UAE uh, uh, has actually uh, uh, failed, um, especially since the 2004 to 2010 to uh, to create uh, new initiatives, to come up with new initiatives, uh, or engage in the different levels. Before 2003, uh, uh, UAE played more or significant role in the region, more than Qatar nowadays. Now Qatar has overtaken this position. Uh, the UAE used to be a very successful uh, diplomatic mediator, and now Qatar is the, the one that is uh, playing this role in the region. So there are some uh, advantages and disadvantages in how the UAE foreign policy has changed. Uh, um, despite the change in its foreign policy, the UAE um, uh, remain actually uh, uh, um, strong with having different uh, allies. Um, um, another major thing which I just remember to uh, is that the UAE started to have uh, different allies. Not only the US used to be the main one, and now they have the German, the French, the British, and now they're going east as well. So this change in the UAE foreign policy, especially actually in the uh, last year and this year, they started to have different options on how to deal uh, with any uh, unrest in the UAE. So they wanted to establish good relations with many countries, uh, not the UAE, not the US uh, only, but uh, other European or uh, from uh, Southeast Asia. Um, uh, but the major, as I said, the major change in the UAE foreign policy and the impact of the Arab Spring on the UAE foreign policy is dealing with the uh, Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, and this is they are, I mean, they are in Arab countries, 
they are emerging in the region and the UAE uh, still does, does not know how to deal with them. Uh, there is some sort of contradiction in the UAE foreign policy recently of uh, instead of supporting Muslims, now we are uh, to some extent uh, being against them. I mean, of course, uh, Muslim brothers, they have serious, I mean, they create threat to the UAE um, so they have to deal with them differently. They don't think, of, say, we are dealing with Egypt, but we're dealing with particular um, parties. The change is um, um, will not last long because uh, new realities will come up in the region. Uh, if Assad falls, then many expect that the new Muslim Brotherhood will dominate, will take power. So the whole region uh, will be led by, by Muslim Brotherhood. So the UAE will be will have a clear confrontation with this uh, with this party. Um, so they will have to redraw again. I reconsider that uh, uh, they they exist, and we have to deal with them like all other countries. Well, Khalid, thank you uh, for taking the time to talk with us today. Before we let you go, if you could just uh, talk about uh, what current projects you're working on. Um, well, the current uh, project. Uh, have some similarities with this, but uh, it is still different. Um, I'm working on on the role of national identities uh, in the Gulf countries uh, and uh, see uh, how uh, states stay intact in these countries. In particular, I look at uh, political survival and its relation to national identities, how regimes in the Gulf uh, use national identity for their own survival. Um, I think there is much of it to come, but uh, I, uh, um, I'm hoping that uh, this project, which I've been working on now for two years, uh, to finish by end of this year. Excellent. Well, thank you very much again for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you very much, Carl. It's a pleasure, and I uh, look forward again to having this conversation when my second book comes out. Thank you for listening to another episode of New Books in Middle Eastern Studies. And thanks again to Khalid Almazani for taking the time to talk about his new book, The UAE and Foreign Policy. You can follow New Books in Middle Eastern Studies on Twitter, where we are at New Books Mideast, and also on Facebook, as well as through our website, newbooksinmiddleeasternstudies.com. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a book or author for a future show, You can contact me through our website and also via Twitter, where I am at Carl Morand. Also, if you enjoy the shows, please consider taking a moment to rate and review them on iTunes, which will help more people find them. Thanks for listening.